0: You are listening to A Bigger Life, a podcast by The Crossing on how to live into God's bigger story. Hi, welcome back to A Bigger Life podcast. You know, when we read the Psalms, when we use the Psalms to pray through, we have to understand that the Psalms are poetry. And A good portion of the Bible is poetry, and if we don't understand what poetry is doing, we're not going to understand how to interpret, how to use, how to benefit from that spirit-inspired part of the Bible. And that's always true with the Psalms, And, and poetry, along with lots of other things, one of the main things about poetry is it's designed to reach our imagination and our emotion. And so we have to use our imagination if we're going to really benefit from the power of the poetry. Uh, Riken Wilborn, in his book Union with Christ, which is a really, really good book, by the way, if you're looking for a really, really good book to read that I think will captivate uh, your attention and your imagination as you read it. But in the introduction, he talks about the importance of imagination, and he talks about uh, he uses the illustration of, C, of G.K. Chesterton where any, any story that starts, Once Upon a Time, Tommy opened a door. Right away, you're interested. It's using your, it right away appeals to your emotion of excitement, your emotion of intrigue, and your imagination. Once Upon a Time, Tommy opened a door. You want to hear more. And he talks about how you could say God loves you as you are, not as you should be. You could say that propositional truth, but often Jesus started it by saying it a different way. Like in the parable of the prodigal son in Luke 15, he starts by saying, A certain man had two sons. Right away, you're drawn into a story. And he talks about how if we're going to really understand the Christian life, we have to be able to use our imaginations, understanding the things that God is telling us in his word through poetry requires that we engage our imagination. And he talks about how we use our imagination all the time. Uh, where'd you put down, where, where did you last put your keys? Requires you to start imagining what, what, what was the last thing I did, or what do you want for dinner? What's one of your favorite things to do? All of these questions require us to use our imagination. And whether or not you're aware of it, you use your imagination all the time. It's part of life, and we have to bring that into our faith and into our praying through Scripture as well. We must use our imaginations if we really want to experience the Christian life. For example, when we looked a while back at Colossians 3, it said, set your mind on things above. That, that requires imagination. It's requiring us to think about, what does that mean to, to set my mind on the things of heaven? Not looking at the clouds, but I'm looking at something that is above, that is vertical, and that requires imagination. And we have to do that all the time. And one way to think about the Christian life, not the only way, but at least a powerful way for me, and I I talk about it all the time, is how we have to imagine our life in a different narrative, to see our lives as part of a different story. And that requires our imagination. So what I'd like to do today is pray through Psalm 31. Psalm 31 is a Psalm of David. And it's poetry. It requires our imagination. To explain what I mean is the very first verse. He says, in you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Now, you could just sort of read on and read like you're reading some propositional truth. Okay, this is interesting. David found some sort of solace in his relationship with God. You could do it that way, or you could let it come alive the way it's meant to be because it's poetry. And the Holy Spirit wants to use poetry to bring your imagination, to use your imagination to bring you into a story. And so we read this and we say, in you, what does that mean? Well, I know the rest of the story means that I'm in Christ. Over 160 times it says in the New Testament that anyone who believes in Jesus is in Christ and Christ is in me. And so now I have to use my imagination, Jesus, the creator of the universe, who is human has ascended to heaven, but also by his Holy Spirit, he indwells me. He is in me, and I am in him. Somehow, in some mysterious way that only my imagination can begin to understand, I am in Christ. And so when I pray with David here, in you, O Lord, in you, Yahweh, in you, through Jesus, by your Holy Spirit, do I take refuge? I am safe. I hide. I am... Behind something that makes me feel secure because I am in Christ. And when I am in Christ, inside Christ, inside God, remember Colossians 3 For you have died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. That requires our imagination, but that's what is being talked about here. In you, O Lord, do I take refuge? In your righteousness. Deliver me in your righteousness. I stand inside your righteousness as as if I'm putting on Jesus as my righteousness, and I am inside Jesus as my refuge from God's wrath because of my sin, because I'm wearing the righteousness of Christ. I'm inside Jesus that I take refuge from all the things that would make me feel insecure, make my life feel threatened, make my life feel insignificant, or unimportant because now I'm in Christ and there could be no more important place. I'm taking refuge in the righteousness of Christ. Verse two, be a rock of refuge for me, a strong fortress to save me. We have to use our imagination. Imagine yourself right now with God as your strong fortress. What is a fortress? What is God to you right now if he is a strong fortress? Use your imagination. If God is a rock of refuge for you, is that a cave? Is that a cliff that you stand upon and look over your enemies or look over your insecurities or look over your anxieties and you're risen above it because God is your rock, God is your cliff to give you a vertical perspective of looking down on things that would otherwise make you feel inferior and anxious? What does it mean that God is a rock of refuge for you, for you, for you? See, David says, be a rock of refuge for me. That God that created this universe is a rock of refuge for you, a strong fortress to save you. What does that mean? Use your imagination in you, O Lord, do I take refuge in your righteousness. Deliver me. Be a rock of refuge for me, a strong fortress to save me. Verse three, for you are my rock and my fortress. What does that mean? Use your imagination that God is your rock, that God is your fortress. What is a fortress? What is a rock? And for your namesake, you lead me and guide me. What does that mean that God is leading you and guiding you? For his name's sake, Yahweh, the I am, why is he leading and guiding you for his name's sake? What does your life matter to his name? Well, because you bear his name. He is in you and you are in him. To say it in a way we understand, his story is tied to our story. Our story is tied to his story forever, forever linked, inseparably linked. Our story is tied to God Verse 4, you take me out of the net. What does that mean? You take me out of the net, they have hidden for me. Who's they? Well, I don't know. Maybe it's somebody you're dealing with right now that's making your life absolute hell. Have they set a net for you that, that they want to trap you? Does God want to be involved in that story in your life? Does he care? Take me out of the net, they have hidden for me. Or is that... What Paul talks about in Ephesians six, where we deal with spiritual forces of darkness that are always trying to bring evil into our lives and keep us from living our lives according to the truth and the power of God's Spirit, so they might be hiding a they might be hiding a net for me. How have I been tripped up by the net of spiritual forces who are trying to destroy me? Take me out of the net they have hidden for me, for you are my refuge. My safety, what's a refuge? It's a place where I feel secure. It's a place where I'm safe. It's a place where I'm not in danger. The next verse, verse five, shows us that Jesus spent a lot of time in this psalm. I, I just think it's amazing that we get to pray through the same prayers that Jesus spent a lot of time praying through. And we know that because verse five is is what Jesus it's a psalm he quoted on the cross. Into your hand I commit my spirit. That's what Jesus did on the cross, was he would say the words of these psalms and express his anguish through quoting the psalms. I think what it also does is it points us to something that Jesus was pointing out to his disciples when he would say it. So when he says, Into your hand I commit my spirit, the next line says to God, You have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. And I think what Jesus is doing is pointing his disciples to the fact that when Jesus cried out these words, of when he died, he says, into your hand, I commit my spirit. And then he died on the cross that he's saying, the next line is being fulfilled at that very moment. God, the Yahweh has redeemed me. Faithful God. God is faithful to his promise, faithful to redeeming us. And Jesus is saying it is finished in a sense by saying that that verse has been fulfilled in his dying. I think it's, again, we wanna always read the Psalms with the rest of the story in mind and what we know about Jesus fulfilling a lot of these Psalms. And, And so when we pray in you, O Lord, I take refuge in your righteousness, deliver me. We, using our imaginations as Christians, we can say what is absolutely mysteriously true that we are in Christ. By his Holy Spirit, we are united with him. And Jesus is affirming that in verse 5. Verse 7, I will rejoice and be glad in your steadfast love. So the death of Jesus, God becoming Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus proves God's steadfast love for us. Or as Jesus was pointing out in the psalm, when he quoted it, it proves that God is faithful. It proves that God is faithful to redeem me. It proves that I can commit myself, I can commit my spirit, my life into His hand, take refuge in Him, He is my fortress, and I can be glad and I can rejoice. It's a choice I can make to rejoice and be glad in His steadfast love. And we're not coming in this prayer in perfect moral stance. We're not coming here without sin because verse 10, David says, my strength fails because of my iniquity and my bones waste away. So again, right here built into a prayer that God has given us by his spirit is also the reality of in that prayer, we acknowledge our sin and we are our own worst enemy. People can lay traps for us all they want, but we are always going to be our own worst enemy. And David says, my strength fails me because of my iniquity. We are given this prayer. It's not a surprise to God that we have sin, that we have iniquity. And we can confess it. And we can be honest and we can bring it to God. Full exposure of our sin because he already knows it. And we pray that he would give us strength as we confess it. Verse 14, But I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. This is a prayer I pray a lot. I would encourage you to memorize these two verses, just the first part of the second verse, verse 14 and 15. But I trust in you, Yahweh. I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. So in a way we're saying into your hand, I commit my life. You own me. I belong to you. I live for you alone. I seek you first. You are my God. I trust in you most. My times are in your hand. I trust you with all my times. I will rejoice and I will be glad in your steadfast love because I trust you Yahweh. I trust you, O Lord. I say you are my God. You own me. I seek you first. My times are in your hand. I know you are in control of all things. You are my fortress. You are my refuge. Verse 19. Oh, how abundant is your goodness. I can trust in your goodness. For those who take refuge in you, I take refuge in you. The last verse, verse 24, is an admonition to all of us who read this. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. And that's a way of saying all you who trust in the Lord, all you who take refuge in the Lord, all you who commit your life to God as your God, your times into his hand. We have to use our imagination and we have to have this appeal to our emotions, that this is where our goodness is, is found in God's will, where our refuge is, is found in God's will, where our fortress is, is found in God's will. He's the one that gives us life. So let's just pray this, and I'm just going to do this shortly because I just want us to use our imagination again as we pray this psalm. Use your imagination Let's do it. Verse 1, in you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Imagine that. Taking refuge in Christ, in your righteousness, deliver me. In his righteousness, in your righteousness, Lord, be a rock of refuge, whether that's a cave I hide in or whether that's a cliff I look over, be a rock of refuge for me. A strong fortress. What is that? A strong fortress. God is your strong fortress. God is your rock of refuge for you. For you are my rock and my fortress. For your namesake, you lead me and God me. God's name is tied to your story. You are important to him because his name is on you. How your life goes is his name. For you are my refuge. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord. Faithful God, I will rejoice and be glad in your steadfast love. I trust in you, O Lord. I say, You are my God. My times are in your hand. Oh, how abundant is your goodness stored up for those who take refuge in you. So I will be strong. My heart will take courage because I wait for the Lord. I trust in the Lord. I take refuge in the Lord. I commit my life to the Lord who is a faithful God. Amen. Thanks for listening to A Bigger Life